Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in this series we're doing called Meals with Jesus. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking through the Gospel of Luke together because Luke records for us, uh, as you've been seeing, that, that throughout the, the sort of main theme in the Gospel is Jesus is either on his way to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. And lots of things happen during the course of these meals. And uh, we're um, well into this study now. And you've seen a lot of things happen. And I've said to you uh, throughout, you know, the, the thing to me is these meals are a picture of the grace of God. That, that Jesus, you know, f- f- fully God, fully man, is willing and wanting to have a meal with everyone. Uh, and uh, everybody's invited to the table. And he demonstrates that over and over throughout sort of the... Uh, the, the whole spectrum of society from the worst of the worst, the tax collectors to the very self-righteous Pharisees to the multitudes, everybody's invited to the table to spend time with Jesus. And it's actually his eating with people that causes him a lot of problem with the established religious community because it speaks to his willingness to have relationship more than just sort of, uh, you know, satisfying hunger. The, the whole thing behind meal was, was uh, meals was relational. And um, so it's a significant thing that we're watching throughout the course of this process. And he teaches a lot during these meals. And I've sort of said to help you remember this, that before Jesus ever picked up the cross, he picked up a fork and things started changing. Uh, Today we're going to look at a meal, and this meal is best known um, as the Last Supper. Uh, So you'll sort of have an idea when we get there what that's all about. Um, You would think that would be a good place for me to end this series, but it's not because there's at least two more meals that we can talk about after this in the book of Luke. So even though it's known as the Last Supper, it wasn't the last meal, um, but it's just kind of how it's known and uh, for its events and what takes place. But I think we can learn a lot by looking at the Last Supper together today. So that's the intro transition. Always a bad joke or two. I was thinking about this, you know, in our... Next Friday, during the fall festival, the concert has a Star Wars theme. There's a little video that's been shot, and if you've seen the posters around, the Star Wars guys are in there, and it's going to be really good. So uh, here's a little trivia. Um, Why did Star Wars episodes 4, 5, and 6 come before 1, 2, and 3? Because in charge of scheduling, Yoda was. Not bad. Oh, it's a keeper. I bought the world's worst thesaurus yesterday. Not only is it terrible, it's terrible. (laughs) That's really funny. That's a thesaurus humor you got to think about, but that's really funny. Not only is it terrible, it's terrible. (laughs) Sorry. That's LOL funny. Never mind. Scripture reading here on purpose. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked, he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. 
After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, as I was reading through and studying about uh, this week's message and this particular text, uh, I was uh, sort of a little overwhelmed about how many potential sermons there are just from those few verses that I read you in the Last Supper. Literally, we could talk for weeks about all of the meaning in the communion and the Passover and uh, all of the things that were happening as this meal came together and the, the things that Jesus had told them would be where it is and, you know, look for this guy doing this and here's the room and we could talk about how they were reclined around the table and we've talked about, you know, how that looks and what that happens and where some of the guys might have been in relation to all the other events that were taking. There's just so many things that we could talk about. What I decided to talk about with you is uh, something that Jesus says here at the end that I think is really, really important. And, and uh, what I want to talk about with you is the new covenant, um, which Jesus said that, that he was, uh, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. And I thought it would be important that we spend some time looking at that because the new covenant when properly understood it provides the foundation for an incredibly personal and powerful spiritual life and walk with Jesus and when it's not understood it, it has a tendency to leave us sort of searching for God through uh, very legalistic uh, impersonal you know religious ways like the Pharisees did and it seems to be part of the issue so I want to talk with you about the new covenant. Now, what actually is a covenant? And a covenant, it's a pledge, it's an agreement, or it's a compact made between two parties. Uh, and, and so it's, uh, it's like a treaty, if you would. Uh, and um, covenants were made yeah, a lot in the Old Testament between people um, in, in different ways, and they were also made between, between God and people. Uh, and and um, there's a lot you could study about covenants, and we could go into that very deeply and all those meanings, but I, I don't want to do that in today's message. Just, just know that, that covenants were made, and, and that since I want to talk about the new covenant here in a minute, I thought we should make sure we understand what the old covenant's all about and why we even needed a new covenant and what that looks like. So the old covenant is point number one in your notes. Um, uh, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it, uh, the old covenant gets its start. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so the old covenant gets its start with promises there made to uh, Abram. Uh, in Genesis 12, the initial promises were pretty much about land, descendants, and the blessing of God. Now, this old covenant is sort of amplified um, through some other covenants that take place with, with Noah and with Moses and with David. And, and um, as these covenants are added into the mix, um, you know, we, we sort of, uh, we're, in, we're now going to include the law, not just the Ten Commandments, but more than that, and also the establishment of the priesthood 
and at the tabernacle and temple sacrifices, all these things that you find in the Old Testament were added into the mix. And, and so you can sort of, uh, you can correspond Old Covenant and Old Testament, if you would, although you don't dismiss the Old Testament because it's still very, very important, even though there's a, uh, a new covenant. But, but there's a lot of things that happen that are about the, the Old Testament in, and the Old Covenant. Now, there were some important aspects of the Old Covenant that you should be aware of. Uh, one of those things was that they, they really focused on conforming to the law, that was part of it. And another big part of the Old Covenant was that, that God was really separate from humankind. Uh, and when you think about it, um, the reality was that only one of the 12 tribes could be a priest. Uh, only priests could enter the tabernacle. Um, only one priest a day could enter the holy place. And only the high priest could enter the most holy place, which was behind the veil. And he could only do that once a year. So that was the contact that people had with God. Uh, that's how limited it was under the Old Covenant. It was limited to one tribe, um, uh, and of that tribe, um, uh, only the priests on duty could enter the tabernacle, so even get close. Only one priest a day could enter the holy place, and only the high priest, so only one guy, could, could uh, and only once a year, could ever enter the most holy place behind the veil. That was all Old Covenant stuff. And... Um, in the Old Covenant, the blood of animals was used as a picture of the cost of forgiveness. And so um, forgiveness for sin was sort of secured through the blood of animals offered by God, um, by people to God at the tabernacle. But even though these sacrifices were offered daily, they, uh, it, was a, it was sort of covered sin, but it didn't really deal with sin. And um, people were still in bondage to sin uh, and slavery to sin throughout the Old uh, Covenant. And so that was the Old Covenant. So when Jesus comes along, and at the Last Supper, uh, he says, this cup is the New Covenant written in my blood poured out for you. This is a pretty big deal, and it's a pretty big announcement. And so let's talk about the New Covenant. That's point number two. So we know what the New Covenant is as well. Um, the, the first mention of a New Covenant was found in Jeremiah. Uh, chapter 31, verse 31, and uh, that was written about 600 years before the time of Christ, and this passage is quoted by the writer of Hebrews uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 8, and I want to read it to you there from there, verse 7 through 13. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another, but God found fault with the people and said, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. So God makes this, uh, this amazing promise with the new covenant. Uh, that when it, when it was enacted, uh, he would put their, their, his laws in their minds 
and he would write his laws on their hearts. He would forgive humankind's wickedness and forget about their sins. And these are some really awesome promises. And with the words of Jesus at the Last Supper, we're told that the time has now come. So through the blood of Jesus, the new covenant, a new agreement between God and and people was ushered in. And that's a big deal. So what does that mean to me? That's point number three. How does this new covenant impact me? What's 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 the deal as far as it relates to me? Well, let's talk about that. The letter A. What this new covenant does is it it causes us now, we have the ability to change from the inside out. It it means that God will change me from within. So so rather than than, um, trying to uh, change myself by following a bunch of laws and rules, um, God's going to do a work in me under this new covenant from the inside out. Hebrews 8.10, he said, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. So he, he now will write his word on our hearts and he fills us in this new covenant with his very presence in his Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 and 17 says, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. This is an amazing deal. Um, And an amazing um, promise that's given to us in the new covenant is that now um, God is going to work in us from the inside out. So, so what's going to happen is more than behavior modification, we're going to we're going to be changed from the inside out by the power and presence of God. And, And the Holy Spirit has come to lead us and to guide us and to change us and to help us through this process. Now, our part in that, however, is, is learning to yield to what the Spirit is doing and understanding that it's a, it's a process. Um, the, the fancy name for the process is sanctification, and it's a process. It's something that we're all under. Um, we are, uh, you know, amazingly, when we come to know Jesus, we, we have right standing with God. We're justified because God chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son. But the reality is now we're, now we're a work in, in progress. And, and hopefully you all have figured that out, that, that um, you, you know, you're amazingly, have this new standing in the Lord. But we still struggle with stuff. We still have things we have to deal with. And, and yet the Holy Spirit um, has actually come and resides in us now to help us in the process. And we learn to yield to him. And, and that as we yield to him, change happens. And my hope would be for all of you that are, that are in the room that have had some time walking with the Lord now, you can look back and you can see that significant change is taking place over time. It's changed from the inside out. Um, and, and so it's not that uh, you, you just aren't doing things because you're not, you know, that's the, that's the rule. Um, you don't care to do them any longer because something has changed in you. And that's the process. And, and that's what happens. Now, you know, through that process, sometimes we, it takes us a little while to sort of get there, but, but um, hopefully you can see over time that things have changed. In my life, you know, I would say that, that um, having walking now 30 years plus with Jesus, that um, he's changed a lot of things in me. He's not complete with the project yet because there's a lot of things that can still use some work, but um, there's been a lot accomplished over 30 years, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, and, you know, this is, uh, my understanding is that this is a work that stays in progress until Jesus comes back or I go to be him and then it's done. But until then, it's, it's a work in progress. And my part is yielding to the Spirit and 
um, I'm always amazed at how faithful is God is to work on these things in my life, that, that he, he faithfully will bring them around pretty routinely until I figure out that that's something I should probably allow him to really work on. And uh, those things that, that I don't sort of yield to at the process, they, by the mercy of God, come back. And then I get another opportunity to work on them, and that keeps happening until I finally realize, okay, let's just, let's just yield to this and let's get this one behind us and move along. And uh, he's faithful to do that, and that's the mercy of God. He, he's always working on us. And I, I, uh, I'm also, I think it's a good thing too, um, some of those things, and maybe it's just the length of walking with the Lord now, but I have to attribute, I'm sure, some of it to just getting older. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, that uh, sort of, okay, things that used to be like, uh, you know, he just softens us over time. It's a, it's a wonderful work of the Lord to, to watch what he does. And you can see it happen, you know, in the, in the Bible guys too. You can see where they start out really hard and tough and over time, you know, like, I, I love looking at, you know, the apostle John. You know, he wanted to rain down, you know, lightning and thunder and let's crush these people for not listening to the message. And by the end of his life, he's, all he talks about is love when you read his letters. He's the, he's the love guy. He changed over time. And that's what God is doing in us by the spirit working within us. So change now happens from the inside out. And uh, that's a good thing because just trying to, you know, sometimes you got to do in life some behavior modification until the change catches up. But if you just rest in modifying your behaviors and change doesn't happen, it's, you're not going to last very long. So that's a little letter A. B, in the New Covenant, we have access now to God's presence 24-7, both, both now and for eternity. Access to the literal presence of God. Hebrews 8.10, the last part, I will be their God and they will be my people. So if you remember when we started, I told you that. Um, only the high priest could enter behind the veil and he could only do that once a year. Well, those of you that are familiar with the Easter story, you know something significant happened uh, in all that process that at the moment Jesus died, that veil was torn in two from top to bottom. And it was a picture of this that God was no longer only allowing one person a year to come into his presence um, uh, under the new covenant is, is, you know, this amazing promise that as Jesus died on the cross and poured out his blood for us, we're given access now that at one point in time, only the high priest alone had, and he only had it once a year. And we now have full access to God 24-7, the literal presence of God. And I, I, I don't think we appreciate how magnificent that is as often as we should, that... that um, because we're so far up the cross this side that we, I, I think if we're not careful, we can take it for granted. We have access to the literal presence of holy God in Christ. You have access to his presence. This is an amazing deal. They didn't have it in the old covenant. They, they, except for the high priest and that only once a year and that very limited, only that one guy. And now in Christ, as believers, we have access to the living God Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, so under this new covenant, we have uh, direct access to the living God, and we're invited to come. We're encouraged to come. And I would encourage you to, to know how amazing that is and take advantage of that all the time. 
You have access to the literal presence of God 24-7. It's an amazing part of the new covenant. And then, uh, see, we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. This is huge in, in that what we were once powerless uh, in our own strength to, to sort of um, uh, get to. Now in Christ, we have a, a whole new power available to us, again, in the Holy Spirit, to actually um, not sin, to choose not to sin. And um, uh, even the most faithful Old Testament guys didn't have this amazing uh, ability that we have. Uh, under the new covenant, Hebrews 9.15, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So the old covenant sort of had a way of covering up the problem, but the new covenant actually provides us a cure for the problem of sin. Let's go on in, in Hebrews 9, 25 and 26. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Let me read you another verse from the Apostle Paul in Romans 6, 19. I put this in human terms, terms because you're weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So because of what Jesus has done and because of the new covenant now, see, there on the cross, he paid for our sins. He paid for everyone's sins um, for all time. And, and they were dealt with at that point in time. And, and not just the sins I, I, I committed before I knew him, but the sins that I will continue um, to commit. Everything's been forgiven. And, and the, the understanding of that is so powerful. And, and, and it allows me to know that I can be changed. And see now, because of the Holy Spirit living in us, we can actually say no. And we can choose not to do what we shouldn't do. And we can choose to do what we should do. Having said that, I, you know, I would like to be able to say that we always are going to do that, but we still are working this thing out. And sometimes you will choose to do what you shouldn't do, but you're choosing to do that. It's not that you don't have a choice any longer. Um, but you also have the choice to do what you should do, and the Holy Spirit will empower you in those uh, directions that you make. And that's amazing news. That's amazing news. You, you, you can absolutely choose to do the next right thing and have the Holy Spirit empower you to walk that choice out. Will we do that every single time? Well, no, we're not perfect. But, but um, we're, we're in process, and that's amazing news. So, so he's, he died so we could be set free from that, and, and we can find new life in him. We, we have this uh, ability to overcome now in him, and that's part of the new covenant, and that's an amazing, amazing thing. There's a lot of other stuff we could talk about, but I wanted to catch those three points, and I, I think they really sort of uh, correspond well to how things used to happen, 
in, in the old covenant and how amazing things are in the new covenant that, that we have now in Christ and that he's made available to us. Uh, and so, you, you know, I, I would just ask this week, kind of think about those things um, uh, in your life that uh, the Spirit of God is working in us to change us from the inside out. All along this journey, we have direct access to God now, which is huge, and, and always make sure that you understand that. And that... Um, we're no longer slaves to sin. We've been set free and we can overcome in him and find life in him as he continues to grow and move in us. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. Plenty for you to think about. Amazing promises of the new covenant. If you're watching my video, thank you so much for doing that. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page. We'd be happy to pray for you. Hope to see you again soon.